This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Let's go! 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 Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. find interesting information on Google, type in draft beer cleaning lawsuit and you will see multiple cases of customers who have permanent damage uh, to their esophageal tract uh, because they've consumed cleaning solution. This week on the show, we reach back into the archive to bring you a conversation about draft line cleaning. This episode originally aired in March of 2017. We've got some great episodes queued up for the new year. In the meantime, Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryce. Today, I'm joined by Keith Lemke of the Siebel Institute of Technology. Keith's article, Basic Guide to Line Cleaning and Maintenance in Draft Beer Systems, was recently published in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly, Volume 53, Number 4. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Now we're here today to discuss one of the most overlooked but important parts of brewing, draft beer line cleaning. Draft beer lines are not only the last surface beer touches prior to your glass, but often the dirtiest. Keith, please tell us how we can assess the cleanliness of a given draft line. Um, multiple different ways, actually. If uh, you want to purely on an anecdotal level or just um, on a casual level, uh, one thing that we've uh, thought about over the years is something called the 11 a.m. test. Uh, now, this is fairly simple to understand in that uh, when you shut down a bar at night, usually you stop serving beer at about 11 o'clock, uh, 11 p.m. Well, the next morning, your shift tends to start, the bartender shift tends to start at about 10.30 to 11 o'clock. Uh, the 11 a.m. test basically uh, 
tells the bartender that what you want to do is you want to take a sample of the beer that's initially inside of the faucet, simply enough. Uh, put a glass underneath the draft faucet, open it up, and catch about two to four ounces of that beer. Now, there are a few different things that we can look for here. Uh, first of all, if you've got any mold that's formed inside of the faucet mouth itself, and that's a fairly common thing to occur, that can become dislodged with that first opening of the faucet. And so you could purge some particulate matter that could be mold. Uh, mold can also grow in what's called the vent holes inside of a standard faucet. And in a standard faucet, the one we're all used to, the sort of chromey looking one, uh, those two vent holes can actually have mold form inside them given sufficient degree of time and lack of cleaning. So you'll look for little plugs of mold that comes out. Uh, the more telltale sign that you can have of contamination in a draft line is the presence of diacetyl or the presence of diacetyl as well as uh, the aromas of an organic acid. Now, for many bartenders, they may not have the training in being able to spot things like that. And, and you can say to a bartender, well, it should smell like a little bit of melted butter. Um, that concept uh, may be a little bit foreign to people. Um, so having a bartender that actually knows what the smell of diacetyl is and they can learn that through the various sensory training kits that are available, uh, allows them to actually uh, take that sample, do an immediate assessment of it, and if they can pick up an overt amount of butter coming out of that first pull of the morning, uh, then that means they've got contamination in their draft line. The reason you go for the first two to four ounces is, you know that since 11 o'clock last night, if no beer has been poured from that draft line, then that beer has been sitting in the line in contact with any contaminants inside of the actual draft beer line and in the faucet mouth. Now, when we look at where contamination can come from in a draft system, the two most likely places that contaminant bacteria can enter a closed draft system is through the faucet mouth. Every time that faucet is open and closed, there's the potential of bacteria going inside of the draft beer line behind the closure in the faucet and taking residence and gradually growing further and further into the draft line. And if that draft line is contaminated, then you may find a coating within the draft line inside of that draft tower that can go for anywhere from a few inches to the entire length of the draft line. So it stands to reason that those first few ounces that are behind the faucet mouth at 11 o'clock in the morning have had the most chance to be in contact with any contaminants in the draft system and therefore are most likely to actually show diacetyl or diacetyl and lactic or acetic acid, which are primary indicators of contamination. Now you can go a little bit further than that. And that is take that first two to four ounces and you can put it aside. You could put a stretch wrap on top of the glass and, and put it into the bar. And then when you're sure that you've run off the entire length of that draft line, so you poured a couple of pints to customers, for example, and now you've got beer that's come out of the keg that's had very little resident time inside the line, you can now take a sample of that because you're fairly assured that since it hasn't had a lot of resident time sitting in the draft lines and it's just come out of the keg, it's going to represent what's inside of the keg itself. So you take that sample, 
that's relatively fresh. Then you take the sample, you pour it off at 11 o'clock in the morning and compare the two, an A-B comparison. That's where you're most likely to see within that contrast if there's any difference between the beer from first thing in the morning and the beer that you're serving your customers later in the day. So that's just a simple trick that could be employed uh, basically at bar level. You can get more complicated. You could actually take samples of that draft beer and you could send it to a lab if you have a lab and see if you have any contaminants growing on it. You could do something called an ATP swab, and that is, for those who don't really have much background in microbiology, it's a, a sterile swab that comes in a tube that you pull out of the tube, basically place it inside of the mouth of the faucet, give it a swirl, and put it back into that tube. The tube then goes inside something uh, that is roughly akin to the half the size of a toaster called an ATP analyzer. Uh, with that ATP analyzer, what it will do it, is it will use um, the process of fluorescence to allow you to see if there are any living cells within inside that faucet. Now, it stands to reason that even a pretty clean faucet is going to have some degree of contamination. But for a faucet that hasn't been cleaned in quite some time, you can get really high cell counts. And especially if you just had a service technician come into your account and clean your draft system, and they say that they've cleaned your faucets, and you put an ATP swab inside, give it a swirl, and put it into the ATP analysis device and see that there's a lot of live cells in there, then chances are the person who cleaned your system didn't do a very good job. So there's a few different ways that you can clean from the sort of um, simply understood side of, of just doing sensory analysis of beer first thing in the morning to the more technical analysis required, uh, requiring you to use different types of laboratory equipment. Could you talk about uh, talk a little bit about some of the various deposits and biofilms uh, that we can expect to find in draft beer lines? Sure. Uh, well, uh, typically, I mentioned mold earlier, for example. Mold isn't something that you would generally find in a draft beer line. Mold can actually occur uh, in the mouth of a keg, and that could be a newly received keg. Uh, you have a cap generally on top of a keg filled with beer uh, at the time you receive it, and sometimes you can actually pull that plastic cap off and you'll see mold growing inside of it. Well, if you don't clean that off, obviously, and you go to tap that, um, the mold will go into your beer lines. Will it necessarily grow in beer? Chances are not, but uh, it can travel up the lines and end up in a customer's glass, which isn't the most attractive thing in the world. No, it's uh, not. <laughs> no. Along with molds, though, you can have, of course, bacteria that will form, uh, and that can be on the mouth of a keg. Now, the various type of bacteria that we're concerned with, obviously, are what we would typically think of as beer spoilage organisms. Um, to those people who may not have a technical brewing background listening to this presentation, not all organisms actually have the potential to spoil beer. There are just certain classes of compounds that can spoil beer, and the most common are uh, lactic acid producing bacteria, uh, such as Lactobacillus and Pediococcus. Um, they, they can come in basically again through the keg coupling interface. 
they can be on the actual coupler that you attach to the keg if you haven't cleaned that recently or if you take a coupler off of a keg and now you put it on top of another keg, uh, the top of any given keg is no doubt going to have some form of bacteria on it because we're always continually surrounded by wild yeast and bacteria in the natural environment. In a draft room, you no doubt have bacteria that is used to living in a beer environment, so it can settle on surfaces. Take a coupler off one keg, place it down on a surface, then attach it to a new keg, and you've introduced potentially lactic acid bacteria into your system. So that lactic acid bacteria is the most common form of bacteria that we're going to find in any uh, draft system, especially in draft lines and in, in fixtures wherever you have beer making contact. Uh, some of the different types of bacteria are what are called bioform filming bacteria. Uh, that's not an area of expertise that I have, but I know that it's of greatest concern when it comes to draft lines uh, because when you have biofilm forming on the different type of bacteria that can grow in draft lines, that biofilm can impede the, the possibility of any cleaning chemistry to get past this slick film and to permeate the bacteria, yeast, or whatever contaminant you have inside the line and be able to kill off that bacteria. It's one of the reasons uh, we use a degree of turbulent flow sometimes when cleaning draft lines, ideally using uh, some degree of velocity in uh, cleaning draft lines uh, greatly assists in the efficiency and efficacy of how you clean draft lines because it uses mechanical shootering action to break away the biofilms and contaminants from within the draft lines themselves. Um, so you can use different methods in order to be able to deal with biofilms. Biofilms, unfortunately, aren't very easily permeated and affected by what we'd call just a sit-and-soak cleaning. In smaller draft accounts, sometimes what you're going to do is you're simply going to fill the beer lines up with a uh, diluted cleaning solution. And you're going to let that cleaning solution sit in the draft line for a period of time before you rinse it out and you repack the lines with beer. Well, unfortunately, that basic contact with uh, chemistry, even if that chemistry is relatively high in concentration because it lacks any physical movement, isn't really capable of permeating the biofilm to a great extent. While you may take away some contaminants with a simple sit and soak cleaning, you may not effectively completely remove the contamination from within your lines. And so until the next cleaning cycle occurs, you have the potential that that biofilm and whatever form of uh, contaminant is within your lines has the capacity to continue to grow and proliferate within your system. Coming up. If you do get that inside of a customer's beer and they consume it, obviously you've got a huge problem on your hands. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by 
ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Master Brewers Podcast is brought to you by RAR North Star Pills, a new base malt to set your compass by. RAR North Star Pills is crafted for brewers looking for a domestic Pilsner malt with low color and low modification. North Star Pills carries overtones of honey and sweetbread, supported by flavors and aromas of hay and nutty character, suitable for any beer style, but particularly craft brewed versions of classic lagers. Let RAR North Star Pills guide your craft by visiting bsgcraftbrewing.com or contact us at 1-800-374-2739. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation live streams data from your active fermentations, allowing you to remotely track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Try it free for 30 days. Visit precisionfermentation.com mbaa. There's one last sponsor I should mention, and that's More Beer. Visit morebeerpro.com to browse ingredients, equipment, and more. And if you like this show, be sure to thank all of our sponsors, because it wouldn't be possible without their generous support. This is always a slow time of year for the Master Brewers calendar, but I've never seen it look so empty. You can certainly expect more virtual meetings in the coming year. In fact, Master Brewers Headquarters is advising all districts not to hold any in-person meetings through quarter two of 2021. But there is one thing on the calendar, one meeting that you might actually finally be able to attend in person. The 2021 Master Brewers Conference will be October 28th through the 30th in Cleveland, and I hope to see you there. Master Brewers Association of the Americas offers a wide range of resources for breweries of all sizes and stages. Keep current on the latest scientific advancements, technical information, and industry trends by joining Master Brewers today. Use discount code BEER20 to save 20% on dues, now through December 31st, 2020. Master Brewers. United We Brew. Back to the show. Keith, anytime we're working, uh, working, talking about chemicals and working around chemicals or pressure, we need to think about our safety and the safety of those around us. Uh, what safety tips could you offer listeners who need to clean draft lines? Well, um, 
first first of all, it's a good idea to take a course in how to clean draft lines. It is actually a fairly simple process, but there are uh, a few good courses out there as to how to go about doing effective draft line cleaning. Siebel Institute offers one. Uh, Micromatic offers one. There's various independent courses out there, um, all of which are worthwhile considering. We being a school, of course, we always advocate uh, formal education. Um, but th there's some very basic things. First of all, um, even with weak solutions, you want to protect your hands because uh, many of these solutions are corrosive and uh, even at, at mild, uh, milder levels, uh, you don't want to have reactions to these cleaning compounds. But of critical importance actually is protecting your eyes. Um, before you start working with cleaning your draft system, before you pull out that jug of chemistry, I want you to put on safety goggles. Now, we have various forms of safety goggles, and uh, the ones that are most commonly found in breweries are usually more meant to protect against impact. Uh, they're meant to protect objects from going into the eyes rather than liquids. So they don't effectively seal the area between the, the eyeglass surface and the skin around the periphery of the glasses themselves. You should be using goggles that are rated for use around liquids because you mentioned pressure. What will happen with a cleaning solution is sometimes you get a little bit distracted and you do things in, in the wrong sequence or you're not paying attention as to how you couple a pressurized vessel or a pump to hoses that are going to be uh, carrying the cleaning solution. Well, as soon as you go to engage the pressure or as soon as you go to turn on the pump, you can get an errant spray of cleaning solution that can head directly towards your face. Well, in the time it takes for that cleaning solution, especially under high pressure and in, in some cases in high volume, to hit the forehead directly above your eyes, you have very little chance to react while that solution can drift into your eyes and drip into the actual surfaces of your eyes. At that point, it's too late. So conventional safety glasses that are meant to stop impact and particles going into human eyes aren't meant for protection against liquids. Choose the right safety glasses. They're available through practically any hardware store and certainly available through sources online that are meant for handling liquid solutions. And you wear those before you ever pick up that uh, container of liquid uh, cleaning chemical solution especially. Before you start mixing it, you have to be protected. And then during the entire cleaning cycle, you want to make sure that your hands are protected, your eyes are protected. You want to protect your clothes as well. If you've got an apron, that's a good thing. But when you're dealing with these cleaning solutions, it's not just a matter of protecting the person who's actually cleaning the system itself. You also have to think of what's going on around you. That I've seen conditions in, in brew pubs especially where during the day you have the brewer coming up and cleaning just one draft line. And you know that that is under pressure with cleaning solution regardless of how minor. Well, there are customers that are in the area. There are bartenders and barbacks and servers that are in the area. So this has to be borne in mind whenever you're going to be 
timing your cleaning, you should not be using pressurized, in some cases hot, and in every case, uh, chemically concentrated cleaning solutions while you have people in the area. Because you risk them getting splashed, you even have the potential risk of having a cleaning solution getting into a customer's beverage. Most cleaning solutions are completely clear. There's no way of knowing if you've got a proportion of a cleaning solution inside of a beer. And if you do get that inside of a customer's beer and they consume it, obviously you've got a huge problem on your hands. Uh, finally, when it comes down to um, working with a draft system that is in cleaning at the time, uh, or it has just finished being cleaned, you have to take precautions to mark and make sure that people coming into the area know that uh, draft lines are being cleaned and then there, that there is the possibility of cost of cleaning solutions in the area. A simple piece of paper and felt marker can say caution draft lines being cleaned placed on the draft tower. That alerts people that there may be caustic solution in the area. When you're finished cleaning those draft lines, it is imperative that you rinse any caustic or acid solutions out of those draft lines absolutely effectively. Uh, because if you don't, there is the possibility that when the bartender comes in and they go to pour that first shot of beer, you could have two ounces of clear cleaning solution in there and the bartender won't notice because it blows by so quickly. Two ounces can be in a glass within a second and then it's followed by solid beer. It, that is now being served to a customer. And if you uh, want to find interesting information on Google, type in draft beer cleaning lawsuit and you will see multiple cases of customers who have permanent damage uh, to their esophageal tract uh, because they've consumed cleaning solution. So having well-trained cleaners that have um, the right processes in play and take their time to do the job correctly from a safety standpoint is absolutely critical every time draft lines are being cleaned. Very good and very important. You mentioned uh, what, what are sometimes referred to as the, the four pillars of cleaning, and these are the same thing whether we're cleaning a brew kettle, a fermenter, or a beer line. Um, you already started to talk about one of them when you, when you got into turbulent flow and velocity. Could you walk listeners through these, these four factors that ultimately determine the results of our cleaning? Well, looking at things, for example, the temperature of a solution. Um, if you have flooded your draft lines with a solution that's at moderately hot temperature, um, what will happen if you don't shut off your cooling system is that that cleaning solution will come down in temperature quite rapidly. Uh, glycol especially can do a fairly effective job of reducing the temperature of any fluid in the lines. So you're not having a truly effective cleaning that's based on the temperature of the solution itself. As, as you point out, it's, it's these, these factors all put together that form the pillars of effective cleaning. As you take each of the pillars individually and start to break down what can happen when you reduce the efficiency and effectiveness of any one of them, uh, you will get less effectiveness in the overall cleaning. And, and temperature of solution is, of course, important. Now, if I wanted to actually make sure I had the uh, most effective temperature of a solution, I would have to, first of all, consult whatever 
the cleaning solution manufacturer recommends for an operational range. Um, I need to get the solution to that range, try to keep it at that range. Now again, as soon as you flood it within the lines, um, you're going to see the temperature drop. There is a few different ways that you can assist in making sure that temperature stays at that right range. Uh, first of all, you can shut off your glycol system. Well, not every glycol system can be shut off. Not, uh, not every bartender has the capacity to get to the glycol system to shut it down. But if you do that, it will assist in maintaining the temperature of the solution. As well, it's common practice within many bars to actually only clean a couple of draft lines at any given time. Well, let's think of this. If you know anything about a draft system, you know that draft lines tend to go through something called a python, which is a compressed bundle of lines in which the beer lines are actually joined side by side very tightly with the core of cleaning solution lines going down the center. So if I'm only cleaning two draft lines at a time, let's say 110 degree Fahrenheit solution going into the draft lines, or basically replacing the beer, those two lines containing warm solution are making contact with draft beer lines containing cold draft beer on either side of the draft lines, plus those lines with hot cleaning solution are making contact with the glycol. So if I shut off my glycol system, that's one way to help keep the temperature up. But I still have those other two beer lines that are going to conspire to bring down the temperature of the cleaning solution. So ideally, if you have a temperature range that's suggested by a manufacturer, you start out with the high end at that temperature range. And then you can expect that that temperature range will come down as the solution sits in the lines. Don't go too high in temperature either because if you're using a solution that's really high in temperature, remember that your draft lines are generally formed of plastic and you can have an expansion factor by the time you combine the pressure of the cleaning solution and the excess heat that can cause the lines to expand. Well, as the lines expand and contract, they can develop fissures after repeated cleanings over time. But also as they expand, the lines can have joints in place where one line is joined to the other by something called a barb. Well, if they expand where that barb is, you could potentially drive some bacteria in between the hose and the barb. And that would allow that bacteria to now stay resident and not make uh, contact with solution in the future and become potentially a permanent point of contamination. So that's just one area where temperature uh, needs to be monitored and can be controlled. Now, when you talk about velocity, the sort of mechanical idea behind cleaning, um, we, we, at the time that this was published, and by the way, this document's approximately 15 years old, uh, Mark Sammartino of MBAA found a copy of it uh, and, and asked me if it could be republished, and uh, of course, we, we do love it that it is republished. Um, some of the guidelines back then uh, have been slightly changed and updated by groups uh, like the Draft Quality Movement, which is the Brewers Association, who I would like to say thanks for, for all the work that they've done in creating a really excellent manual and an excellent program. Getting back to the idea of the velocity of cleaning solution, um, we, we look at, uh, at the time we were suggesting 5 to 10 feet 
per second in the way of velocity of cleaning solution going through a line. Now, really about the only way that you can do this is by using cleaning pumps. And in using cleaning pumps, what you have to do is take a series of draft lines and connect them both in the cold room where the couplers would normally be located. You can connect them coupler to coupler using coupler interface devices that allow this to occur. And also you go up to the bar area and you remove all the faucets from all the shanks in the tower and you join them using short pieces of hose. What you do is you form one continuous line that allows the cleaning solution to go through the entirety of the draft system in one go. And you're flushing draft cleaning solution through all of the lines in one direction, and it's collected again in a reservoir close to where the pump is located. So what will happen is you start off with a pool of cleaning solution. The pump draws that cleaning solution, puts it through one long chain of daisy chain draft lines, and then the solution goes back into the reservoir. And if you can do this, it is the most effective methodology of gaining velocity that can more effectively strip away biofilms and potential bacteria. Now, what you can do is you can use the pump to reverse the flow as well. So you disconnect the system at one point, reconnect it so now the flow of liquid goes in the other direction. Uh, allows for the greatest degree of effectiveness of making sure that you're stripping away biofilms by moving the cleaning solution in both directions. Uh, one other mechanical tool that some uh, draft cleaners use is uh, putting sponges in the system. Sponges are uh, small, ball-shaped sponges, as you would think, th that are just slightly larger than the uh, hoses and the uh, diameters of all the connections themselves. And the pumps blow the sponges through the system in a recirculated fashion, which just does a great job of ripping away any biofilm. You don't necessarily need to do that with conventional cleaning. If you clean with a degree of frequency, sponges are probably going a little bit overboard. But there are places that go for a very long duration of time that have uh, problematic draft systems that have systemic contamination that they're not getting rid of. And that's where sponges really work quite effectively. The amount of contact time, uh, recirculation time, of course, is going to have an effect. Uh, longer is better. Uh, but we have the reality of needing to get into and out of cleaning these systems in a timely and efficient fashion, especially if you shut down the glycol system uh, and you are cleaning all of your lines at the same time. Um, once you get all that entire system cleaned, it's going to take some time to get that entire Python line completely back to cool serving temperature. And that means that the contact time, if you leave too long a contact time, that's simply going to tie up that cleaning cycle so you don't have the um, ease of being able to get in and out of that cleaning as quickly as possible and getting your draft system back up and online. That was Keith Lemke here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Next week, you'll hear the rest of my conversation with Keith. In the meantime, check the show notes for a direct link to Keith's basic guide to line cleaning and maintenance in draft beer systems. I 
joined District Mid-Atlantic back when it was dominated by large breweries and I was often one of the only craft brewers in attendance. I'm so glad I joined. That membership has been incredibly impactful to my career and I've made so many lifelong friends from those meetings. If you're not already a member, I highly encourage you to join. And there's no time like the present because new members can use the promo code BEER20 or the link in the show notes to save 20% on dues if you register before the end of the year. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. 